Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 105. It's April 28th, 2015. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Welcome to all you new listeners that may be listening in for the first time. The Wellsteading Podcast is where I present you with my opinions and my observations. We live out my dilemmas as I trade from day to day. I do everything from give you a general idea of of what stocks or what exchange-traded funds I might be trading in, and sometimes I give you a more nuanced reference. I share my feelings and frustrations with you. The bottom line on this podcast is that it's not here to tell you how to live your life, or it's not here to tell you specifically what stocks you need to trade or what you should be investing in or how you specifically should be building your wealth. What the Wealth Studying Podcast is all about is sharing a lifestyle with you. It's my goal to not tell you what to think, but to help you to think for yourself. I talk out loud. I share my thoughts with you. I give you my analysis. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong, but you have it in real time, and then you can go back and listen to previous episodes. And from that, you can get an idea of my accuracy, of my hit ratio, and then you can draw your own conclusions. If you're new to the podcast, you might want to go back and listen to the first 10 episodes. That's where I lay out my foundation and my philosophy that's helped me build my wealth over these last 30 years or so. Now, some of those concepts are maybe a little abstract. Some of them are general. Some of them may be downright common sense. I can't guarantee that they're going to work for you. But when I've gone back and reviewed my life and what's helped me be successful and what has helped me been profitable, not only as an investor, but more importantly, being able to live out my dreams, to be able to become financially independent so that I could become more self-reliant and have more freedom and liberty. You see, that's what's most important for me as I was able to go back and review the things that made me most successful, the things that I wanted to share with other people. That's how I developed those 10 wealth building principles. It's not something I learned in school. It's not something I read in a book. Those are principles that I I learned as I was building my wealth. Some of you may say, hey, they're pretty simple concepts. Well, of course they are. I'm a simple guy. If they were complex, I wouldn't have been able to figure them out. And that's the beauty of wealthsteading. It's a lifestyle that you can apply to your own life. To become financially independent, you don't have to be a great trader like Warren Buffett. You don't have to be a genius entrepreneur like Steve Jobs. You can literally just be someone that's come out of the middle class, that's had diligence and discipline and a little luck along the way. And if you apply those principles, it's my opinion that by the time you're in your 40s or 50s, or certainly by the time you're ready for retirement in your 60s, you can have a significant nest egg built up, a nest egg that's large enough, in fact, to carry you through your retirement years. So, hey, if you haven't listened to them, go back and check out those first 10 episodes. Then you'll have a better idea of what we do here on all the subsequent episodes. I always try and tie one or more of those concepts into every episode so that we're constantly reinforcing that thought pattern, reinforcing that behavior, so that you can build the necessary skills to be a better earner, a better saver, and then ultimately a better investor. Well, in today's episode, I want to give you a market review, and then I want to come back and review a concept that we talked about a few episodes ago where I asked you if you were pursuing your own happiness. Well, first, let's just talk about the market. As I've been mentioning for weeks, or I guess probably a month by now, this to me is a market that has no definite pattern or no definite trend either up nor down. Now, yes, the market last week did hit some all-time highs, but we have to be cautious, especially because we are at all-time highs and because this market is really just in a very tight trading pattern. And it's difficult to be able to make money in these type of trading patterns because there's no definitive strong trend either up or down. The S&P 500 is up something like only 3% for the year. It goes up, it gets around 2150 or so, and then it comes back down. And it'll come down a few percent, and then it'll go back up, and it'll come down. 
Swing trading is all about trading with the momentum, trading when the odds are better in your favor. Because remember, in the stock market, we're only dealing with uncertainties. We are always on the lookout for long-term and near-term and short-term patterns that can give us a little bit of an edge, a little bit of an advantage in following the momentum and looking what has happened recently and to be able to put that into effect by swing trading and taking profits over the coming weeks or months. And so we deal with these uncertainties by always being ready and vigilant to change our position, to go long if we've been short, to go short if we've been long, to move into cash if we've been in equities, to never fall in love with a particular idea, a particular stock, or a particular position. We're always conscious of the fact that the market can change and that we can be wrong. And so that's why we actively trade. Because what we believe is, by constantly placing educated bets that are following in the direction of momentum, that more times than not, we'll be able to take a profit if we have the discipline to cut our losses short. That over the long term, we believe that we'll have the upper hand because we'll be able to take more profits than we have in loss. Now, this isn't a get-rich-quick strategy. It's something that takes years, literally maybe even decades. But your success is snowball. As you continue to save, as you continue to make profits, and then you roll that back in, particularly when it's in a retirement or a tax-advantaged account where you're not subject to capital gains taxes, then you'll find that that nest egg becomes large enough that someday it's able to throw off significant earnings, earnings in fact that are large enough for you to live off of. That's how you become a wealth steader. Well, in a market like we've been in most of this year, particularly over the last four weeks, there hasn't been a lot of definitive movements occurring over weeks or months. The market's up one day, it's down the next. So consequently, when that happens, I sit on the sidelines. Oh, I do dabble here and there. I might put a short on oil. I might go long a currency here or there. Perhaps I'll try and short the S&P 500 for a day or two. But I just do that to stay engaged, to keep myself constantly uh, you know, sharpening my skills, to keep my mind attuned to what's happening in the marketplace. I really don't do it to make significant profits. And I'm conscious of the fact that the market can quickly move either way. And so I don't bet the whole farm. And in fact, over these last few weeks, with a very few exceptions, I've invested almost no client money, again, because I don't see definite momentum. I don't see a definite trend, either up or down. Over at investablewealth.com, that's my firm's website, I posted a blog article last week where I put up a chart that, in my view, shows this on-again, off-again pattern that we're seeing in the market. Even though the market is at all-time highs, had a personality shift, a definitive change in its personality over these last three or four years. Look at that chart that I put up. The article is entitled, Market Musical Chairs. I chose that name because I think it accurately describes what type of a market in. We're in a market that when the music stops playing, you're going to see a lot of people scrambling, trying to put their backsides down on a chair. Now, as always in this podcast, I'm not offering you recommendations or providing you with advice. I'm simply giving you my opinion. I could be totally wrong. I could be totally off base. You need to draw your own conclusions. But I'm very concerned that since we haven't seen a pullback in this market of any significance, we have to go back to early 2011 to see any type of a 20% or more correction in this market. That chart that I have up over at investablewealth.com, it shows the market status from about August of 2011 up until last week. And what you'll see by looking at that chart is what I'm talking about with the change in personality of the market. You can see that fourth quarter of 2011 into the beginning of 2012, that's when this, this bull market was really starting to ramp up, that the status of the market more times than not was in a confirmed uptrend. 
and those uptrends lasted for a long time. That quarter in particular, that fourth quarter of 2011 into the beginning of 2012, you had about 100 continuous days where the technical market sentiment was a confirmed uptrend. As the market went into 2013, and you'll remember back to 2013, that's when we had a significant rally. The S&P was up about 30%. You'll see that the market status never attained those 100 continuous days of market uptrend like it had in the previous year. However, you will see consistent long runs of market in uptrend. But as this bull market has gotten longer in the tooth and has gotten older and older, you don't see that happening. In fact, so far this year, the technical indicators are telling us that this uptrend has been under pressure for about 62% of the time. The bottom line on this market is that it's unpredictable. To me, that's a red flag, that's cautionary, and that's why I move into a money market fund or some type of cash equivalent fund until I can see a breakout in the momentum, whether it goes up or whether it goes down, I don't care. I'm just looking for a definitive pattern, not something where the market's making all-time highs on a Friday and then where it opens high on a Monday and closes low like it did yesterday, and then today opens low and turns around and for the most part comes out with a small gain. When you have erratic patterns like that over the short run, in my opinion, it's too difficult to make money. And that's why I choose to sit out. And that's a point I want to make. Don't ever be afraid to be in cash, particularly when we're seeing these very low inflation rates like we have today. If you sit on your money, if you sit on cash for an entire year, you're going to lose less than 2% to inflation. With market volatility the way it is, you can see a 2% evaporation of your profits happen in one afternoon. So be cautious. That's the commentary that I'm going to leave you on with the status of this market. The market is at all-time highs. We haven't had a pullback, a significant pullback for a number of years. In my opinion, you need to remain very cautious. Now, the other thing I want to talk about in today's episode is a follow-up to the episode I did a few shows ago where I asked you the question if you were pursuing your happiness. I heard from many of you. I asked you to share your dreams and your goals with me and your progress. I've heard back from many of you. I appreciate that. It motivates me to hear the success that you're having in your life and the ability that you have to follow your dreams. But there are some naysayers out there among you. You know, there are people that say, oh, that couple that wants to sail to Australia, well, they're, they're out of the ordinary. That's an extreme example. You know, a regular middle-class couple couldn't do that. It, it's too hard. You can't save money like that now. You can't take early retirement and enjoy life like that. You know, that's something that happened in the past. Well, you know, I get those kind of emails, and then right after that, I get an email from a guy that says, yeah, picking up and sailing to your dream location, been there, done that. This guy didn't sail to Australia, but he did sail to New Zealand, and he did a bunch of other things beside that. In fact, now I think he told me him and his wife are currently traveling through South America. So people can be successful. They can take early retirement. They can travel to these exotic locations that they've wanted to see all their lives. But, you know, that's their dream. That may not be your dream. You may want to just spend time with your grandchildren or garden in your backyard or get up every day and play tennis. I mean, that's, again, the whole point about wealthsteading. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to hopefully provide you with some inspiration and some guidance so that you can become a better earner, a better saver, and a better investor so that as you get into your 40s and your 50s and your 60s and beyond, so that you're financially independent at that point, and you can decide whether you want to continue working or whether you want to sit around and read romance novels or whether you want to take long walks with your dog. I mean, that's all up to you. But don't be discouraged. Don't think that maybe just because you're having a setback right now or that maybe because you don't know people that are successful, don't think that means that other people aren't successful and don't think that means that you cannot be successful. You can change your behavior. 
and by changing your behavior you can change your environment and you can change your future. Let me give you another example and I'm going to call this another sea story since I talked about the couple that wanted to sail to Australia. I've actually engaged with another individual that did something even more extreme than that. This lady's name is Jan Socrates. Now, I'd like to tell you she's a personal friend. At this point you can just say she's an acquaintance of mine and I'll tell you how I know her as the story develops here. But I want you to hear about Jan and hear her story because it starts out very similar to the couple that I mentioned before that wants to take early retirement and go sail to Australia. And incidentally, in the show notes, I will have a link to Jan's website so you can go learn more about her. So Jan was a school teacher. She took early retirement at about 55 years old. Her husband was older than her. I don't remember if he was 60 or 65 when he took retirement. Now, Jan and her husband are British citizens, so you don't have to think that you have to be an American to make this happen. They take early retirement, and one of the things they decide they want to do is to start sailing. Now, I bring this up, and I point it out because Jan did not start sailing until she was in her 50s. Okay, so this isn't like something she was raised with as as a young girl or something that she'd done all of her life. She was a late bloomer in this respect. But her and her husband, they bought a sailboat. They started making preparations. When they took early retirement, they started sailing. They had a wonderful time. They were enjoying their lives. And then you know what? Tragedy struck. Jan's husband developed cancer, and he had a very untimely death. I'm not 100% sure, but I believe she told me that they only got to enjoy their retirement for about five years. Now, you can imagine that was a very traumatic event in her life. It drastically altered the rest of her life. It changed her, her, her early retirement plans. But you know what? The reason I point that out to you is, is that Jan didn't quit. She didn't sit back and say, oh, woe is me. I'm a widow. My goals and my dreams have been crushed. My husband's life has been snatched away from me. You know what she did? She went on sailing. She went on living her life and trying to do the best she could on her own. And you know what she found out? She found out that she really liked sailing. And she really liked sailing solo. And as, her, as she got better at it and as she went to more and more ports of call and she got more experience navigating, she decided to try and circumnavigate the globe on her own, solo, in just a sailboat. In fact, she not only decided just to do that, she decided to do it and try and break the world record. Now, this is no small feat. Let me review with you what she was doing here. She was solo. That meant that she was the only one on that boat. She was sailing under wind power only. That meant that not once could she ever use any type of gasoline or diesel-powered engine. She only could do it under sail. She was doing it unassisted, which means that she couldn't go up through the Panama Canal or take some other shortcuts. She literally had to sail under wind power by herself, unassisted, through the South Seas and all the way around the Cape of Hope, you know, around Africa, around South America, all those things on her own in that big wide open ocean. And to get the world record, she also had to do it nonstop. That meant not pulling into port, not pulling into port ever. So she left Canada, she left the western coast of Canada, the Pacific Ocean side of Canada, I believe she she pulled out of Vancouver, and from the time she left there until she got back, her whole circumnavigation of the ocean, she couldn't have anybody come aboard her boat, she couldn't have any type of materials or supplies brought onto her boat, she couldn't stop at any port of call and pick up fresh water or get her mail or anything. It had to be non-stop, unassisted, solo, only under wind power. Well, how challenging is that? Well, it's challenging enough that it's a Guinness Book of World Records, for one thing. And for a second thing, let me tell you a little bit more about Jan's story. 
The first time she tried it, she got shipwrecked. And oh, I don't mean that her ship just you know, got a little hole in it and washed up on the beach. I'm talking about her ship completely sank. And her body was washed up on a beach in Mexico where the locals had to come out and literally rescue her from the ocean. But you know what? She didn't quit. She didn't stop there. Like I said, that was her first attempt. Just like when she faced the tragedy of losing her husband, well, then she was able to face the tragedy of losing her boat. She learned from that experience. She gathered up her resources. She bought a new boat. She didn't feel sorry for herself. She put back in, and she tried to do it again. And you know what? On her second attempt, she didn't lose her whole boat, but she was down in the South Sea. She was getting hammered by a storm, and the gale winds and a wave came over, and it knocked her boat 90 degrees over in the water. I mean, it completely knocked her down. Her sail touched the water. The force was so great that it not only destroyed most of the things on her boat, it broke her boom. And the damage was something that was irreversible. She didn't have the ability or the supplies on board to be able to fix that boom. And so you know what? She had to call off her second attempt. But again, she didn't quit. She learned from that event. She went back. She had her boat repaired. She restocked up. She reassessed the situation, determined what she could do better next time to avoid bad weather or things that she could do in bad seas to, to recover from it quicker. And you know what? She went out for a third attempt. And in that third attempt, she continued to have problems and equipment breakdowns and all sorts of challenges come up, all sorts of hurdles that she had to jump over. But she persevered. She pushed on and it took her something like eight and a half months, but she was able to sail around the world solo, unassisted, nonstop, and only under wind power. She not only did it as a single woman, she did it as a woman that was in her 70s. I've met Jan. I've talked to her face to face. This is not a big, large, you know, Amazon lumberjack woman. This is a fairly petite woman. If you passed her on the street, you'd say, oh, look at that wonderful, sweet grandma. Well, you know what? She is one tough cookie. She's one tough old lady. The challenges that she faced sailing alone, not only just the mental discipline she had to have, but even the physical strength and the ability to solve problems when she didn't have the strength that a man would have, the things that she was able to pull off, she did something that 99 out of 125-year-old men wouldn't be able to do. And yet she was able to do it as a petite woman in her 70s. It just didn't happen to her. She just didn't get lucky. She persevered. She had discipline. She lost her husband. She lost her first boat. Her second attempt, her boat was nearly destroyed. She had to keep starting over. But she never went back and had to start from scratch because she always learned from her past experiences. She took those negative things that happened and she turned around and she made them positives. I tell you this story, not because I want you to sail around the world, because I want you to apply that same discipline and that same strategy and that same mindset to building your wealth, because that's the only way you're going to become financially independent. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to lose money in the stock market. You're going to have events occur like 2008 where you might take a major loss. Are you going to lose a job? Are you going to lose a spouse? Are your health going to suffer? A lot of bad things might happen to you along the way, but you can't just sit back and feel sorry for yourself or throw in the towel and quit. You have to persevere. You have to learn from these challenges. You have to go out there and make it happen. You can't rely simply on the advice of someone else or just think you know everything because you've listened to a podcast or because you've read a book. You have to go out and take action. You have to be like Jan, and if you do, you'll be successful. Jan, this wonderful woman, she not only has a satisfaction of attaining her goal and circumnavigating the globe, but she's in the Guinness Book of World Records. She got to meet the Queen of England. 
She's got all kinds of favorable press. She's going to be writing a book. And she's an amazing woman. Let me explain my relationship with Jan. You see, I had read about what she was doing, and I was interested in it. It fascinates me to learn how people are, you know, achieve their goals. And so, when I read about Jan, I just didn't stop there. I found out that she was a ham radio operator. She had a ham radio aboard her ship, and she was calling in regular reports. Well, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that ham radio was one of my hobbies. I did a little research. I found out what frequency she used, and I was able to hear her checking into the maritime net. I was able to hear her checking into the regular group of, of guys that were recording data for her and helping her with her logbook. She was regularly on a particular 40-meter band, and I was to be able to listen into her conversations. Now, while she was out there sailing, I never actually had a, an exchange with her where I talked to her, but I did listen to her phoning in her reports and talking to others and talking about the problems she was having, and I came into this late in her cruise. I didn't pick her up until she had rounded Australia, and she was coming up through the Pacific, headed back to her port in Canada, but I was able to follow her along that trip. So every few nights or a couple times a week, I'd be able to hear her call in her reports. I bring this up again because this is something that I made happen. I was interested in her story, and so I looked for it. I wanted more. I made the effort to go out and find a way that I could connect with her. I mention this because I want to show you that when you're interested in something, you just don't sit back and let things happen. You have to make an effort. If I was interested in Jan's story, rather than just sitting around waiting for the press release to happen after she made her trip, I had to go out and find out where she was at on the bands. I had to go out and find out when she was going to be calling in on 40 meters and making sure I had the right antenna and the right frequency and all those kind of things. And so I tracked her. And then something sort of serendipitously happened. You see, because not only was I able to listen to her back around the fall of 2013 when she was completing her, her voyage, but I've paid attention to what's happening with her and what's being said in the media. And I found out that a couple of weeks ago, she was going to be in California. Well, the beautiful part about someone like me, someone that has their own business and they've created a well-steading lifestyle, they have a flexible schedule. And I was able to coordinate my own business trip out to California at the same time Jan was going to be there, in the exact same town and city and location. And so I was able to seek her out. I was able to meet her and talk to her face-to-face and engage with her and ask her questions and just get a really first-hand account of her trip and the discipline it took and the hardships that she went through. And so that's why I say, well, I'm an acquaintance of Jan because I've done more than just listen to her on the radio. I've done more than just read about her on the Internet. I've gone out and met her in person. I've engaged with her. And I did that because she is a motivating woman. I love to meet with people that attain their goals. And I love to do that because it motivates and inspires me. It reassures me that I can go out and I can meet my goals. But the lesson, the thing that I'd like you to take away from this episode is that if you want to be successful, is you need to have role models. You need to have mentors. You need to learn from other people. You need to stand on the shoulder of giants that have come before you. So go out and make that happen. Find a role model. Find a mentor. Just don't worship some celebrity. Find people that are attainable. Find people that are in your own community. Find people that you can reach out and engage with and have a conversation with. People that you can get advice from. If you do that, it'll change your attitude. It'll motivate you. You'll become more optimistic. You'll see that real-life people, people just like you, people from your background, people from your community, people that maybe even had more of a disadvantaged life than you, that they can attain their goals, and you'll learn from them, and you'll be able to apply that in your life, and you'll have the motivation to go attain your own goals. That's the message I want to leave with you. 
Now, as always, if you want to tell me about your story or you have a concern or a question or you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do that through the website, which is wellsteading.com. We have a lot to cover in future episodes. I want to again review the, the differences in the principles of investing versus savings. I've had a lot of questions on what to do now that we're at a market top, how to preserve your profits. I've, I've also continued to receive a lot of questions on whether or not you should fully fund your 401k. So I want to discuss those topics and more in future episodes. You're not going to want to miss them. So until the next episode, this is John Pagliano wishing you the very best of returns.